Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, okay? Do you know what, folks? Today is National Check Your Wipers Day. And my friend will not be doing so because since the pandemic is over, there is plenty of toilet paper on store shelves these days. She is the she-devil with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. How you doing, Tamara? <laughs> oh, David, it's never a dull moment, is it? I'm well. How are you today? You've you know, already been out in the field gallivanting around. Yes, we were interviewing uh, police officers. Um, they were having, uh, it was an event called Coffee with Cops. But evidently, you have to be LGBT to have a coffee with the cops. They wouldn't talk to me. In fact, they were offended by my presence. And there were at least probably a, a dozen cops there. Because you know what? There's no real crime in the city anymore. Stabbing, shootings, assault, rape. No, that's okay. We got plenty of time to have coffee and cake in the gay village of uh, Toronto. Because after all, Tamara Ugolini, it is a gay day in May, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> There's a tongue twister if you ever needed one. Were there any rainbow sprinkle donuts? This is what I'm really oh, curious about. Unfortunately, the second cup that they chose had a power failure. So <laughs> it looked like oh, all the baked goods were on the fritz. But The irony. By the way, I just realized I might have misspoken. When they say National Check Your Wipers Day, I think they mean windshield wipers. And you, Tamara Ugolini. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on it. I am going to shame Tamara Ugolini because the last time I saw you at the wheel of the Ugolini mobile, the rear wiper was just dangling oh, by a the thread. Yeah. Yes. Have have you checked your wipers? It's been fully removed. It it just doesn't exist removed? anymore. Removed. <laughs> Jeez, I don't think that's what they mean by checking your wipers. How are you going to see out the exist. back? You know, that's actually my husband's commuter car, so oh. it's his problem. Yeah, blame it on the man. <laughs> Why don't you? Anyways, you enough wiper. wiper talk. What is it we're trying to do here all today? All right. Yes, for all of you joining us at home, thanks for tuning in. This is our daily live stream where we discuss and dissect some of the most notable newsy topics of the day. And so we're streaming on a few different platforms, uh, the infamous censorious thug YouTube. And <laughs> then we also have Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, Twitter, and I think we were also trying to stream on locals. Um, I can't confirm if that's working today or not, but uh, we're trying, we're launching a new platform, a new presence, I should say, on that platform. Um, so on some of the other platforms, not YouTube, unfortunately, they have demonetized us completely. Uh, we risk being deplatformed completely, actually, at any time that we question the safe and effective narrative or uh, other things that goes against YouTube's specific community standards. But if you head on over to other platforms such as Rumble, you can engage with us directly through what is called a super chat or hyper chat. And it's a way for you to give us a small monetary donation to help keep our lights on and fund our independent journalism while also having your comment read on screen. So $5 or more, we will read your comment here on the live stream. And then we will provide commentary on it or just some, some bantering. You can also give us a tip if there's a story you're just itching to get out there or have some media presence on, please uh, go ahead and send us a small $5 donation or more if you feel so inclined. And then we love to hear from our viewers and we're viewer funded and, and crowdfund led. So um, that's the heart of our presence. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I guess we're kicking off the segment 
with the Toronto mayoral race. So last night there was the second debate happened between the leaders. And David, you're more, more up on this than I am. I think there's like 70 plus. Oh, Tamara, that was so last week. It's 102. Oh my gosh. And there's a dog too, isn't there? Oh, is there a dog? <laughs> I think there's a dog. I think a dog is officially running for candidacy in the absolute debacle circus clown show that is the Toronto mayoral race. It It is unbelievable. And um, what does it say, Tamara, about this race that, first of all, the hardcore leftist, Olivia Chow, is the last poll I saw, she was trending at a whopping 23%. That might not sound like much, but uh, the other two candidates in second place are around 10 and 11, which I think is um, Josh Matlaw and Mark Saunders. Um, she is hard left. She will turn Toronto into Portland or San Francisco. Uh, believe me, folks, uh, I interviewed one candidate, a good guy, Rob Davis. He's been elected before as a trustee and as a city councillor for the old city of York. And he's adamant, if you own a car, if you own a house, Olivia Chow is your enemy. And by that, he means it's tax and spend. All those bike lanes that are causing gridlock in uh, Toronto traffic right now, that's just going to, they're going to go on to steroids. And um, yeah, this is very unfortunate. And in addition to what does it say about the hardcore leftists leading the polls, if the polls can be believed, that is, what does it also say, Tamara, that if John Tory were to throw his hat into the race today, well, he can't because the cutoff was Friday for candidates, he would win by a landslide. This is the guy that shut down the city. This is the guy, one law for thee, one law for me. This was the moral authority putting uh, Adamson Barbecue out of business because it's for our safety. Meanwhile, he's chasing uh, Emily Hillstrom, his subordinate around the cottage for Hanky Panky. You know, more than the affair, Tamara, that's what really bothers me. Mm -hmm. The likes of a John Tory saying, I am the moral authority. I know what's best for you. And meanwhile, he was getting as close as humanly possible to a subordinate, no less, when he pursued his um, pastime of, well, how shall we call it, horizontal jogging? <laughs> well, and he was also <laughs> jet-setting off to Florida while yeah. telling everyone else to stay home and save lives and decimating small businesses all across the city for the same. Uh, yep. So the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy is on full display with Mayor John Tory and among many others. But he especially um, was this this huge moral authority sitting up in his ivory tower while he was simultaneously evading his own restrictions, the, the restrictions that he was clapping on further and wanting more of and cheering on um, because, you know, he was in the back room doing his own thing. I wonder, too, they were also at that time recommending public health was recommending you wear masks yeah. with uh, during intercourse and BC's <laughs> health authority, uh, Bonnie Henry. She even recommended glory holes uh, to avoid direct contact. So I wonder if John Tory was following any of those pandemic restrictions while he was having an affair on his wife of, what, 40 years? Oh, I think longer. I think their marriage goes back to the 70s. And uh, with all that terminology, you said, well, to quote Andrew <laughs> Robinson, Dirty Harry, uh, please, I scare easy. Um, yeah, but you're quite right. But to my question, with so, yeah, all that sorry, hypocrisy, that was with all that immorality, exposed, um, and also workplace etiquette. etiquette. That, that is the worst thing you can do. 
There's an imbalance of power. He's the boss. Emily is a subordinate. Again, Tamara, how do you figure it out that if this race was 103 people, i.e. John Tory uh, threw his hat back into the ring, he wins in a landslide. Does that speak of the caliber of the other 102 candidates? Or um, I guess in Toronto, people don't care about morality. Mm -hmm. People don't care about hypocrisy. The caliber uh, of the voter, the voting yeah. base in Toronto. And also, I think it's also the caliber of the media because the media really didn't, the mainstream media is what I'm referring to specifically, really didn't hold any of these officials to account when they were caught red-handed, red-handed, evading their own cheerleaded restrictions. And so unless you're a supporter or a viewer of independent media like Rebel News, you would be none the wiser that any of this stuff happened yeah. and that, that an ability to point out the hypocrisy there. So I think Toronto is still very much enthralled with and under the hypnosis of the mainstream media, unfortunately. That's an excellent point. They are detached to the shenanigans that are really going Reality. on. But we have a video clip uh, yes, featuring from... Olivia Chow. You know, I got to admit, uh, Tamara, I did a double take. I was looking at the opening line. Let's build a city. Uh, and I almost thought, is she going to break into the Starship song? We built this city on rock <laughs> and roll. But that's what it sounded like to me. Where's but, Ben Bankus when you need him? But yeah, exactly. But I interviewed him yesterday. We'll talk about him a little later on. All right. So let's uh, see uh, Olivia Chow's uh, rendition of We Built This City. My friend Ying, volunteer at the Fort York Food Bank on College Street. And I walk by College Street because I am, I live very close to it. And I watch the line grow weekly, monthly. And then I thought of my mother. It could be my mom, it could be my dad lining up there. Why? My mom and dad and I immigrated to Canada when I was 13, like a lot of you. Life was tough when you first immigrate to Canada. My dad wasn't able to find a job, even though he spoke fluent English and taught in Hong Kong. Couldn't find a job teaching in Canada in the 70s. He had a nervous breakdown. He couldn't get a job, couldn't hold down a job. My mom, with one income as a maid in a hotel, was able to get the food to feed the family and still pay the rent in St. Jamestown. We were able to survive. We didn't have food banks back then. But life is so different now. Life is so unaffordable. Why? Because we have a decade of people not building housing, and that is unacceptable. And that is the root cause of the problem. So we have a choice to make today. We have to choose to come together and say that we need to build housing. We need together build a city that is more affordable, more caring, safer, where everyone belongs, where no one have to go to food bank in order to feed their kids and pay the rent. Sounds more like a uh, federal 
criticism than anything to do specifically with Toronto. Yeah. And and when it comes to unaffordability, uh, Tamara, oh, that's not going to affect Olivia Chow anytime soon. Uh, maybe the media might want to dredge this uh, embarrassing statistic up from uh, yester decade. And it was Olivia Chow and Jack Layton, who would go on to become the leader of the federal New Democrat Party, were actually gaming the system. They were living in subsidized housing, even though the two of them had a six-figure income, and I'm talking six figures uh, going back to the 80s and 90s. Uh, this, I, I, once again, uh, socialism isn't for the socialists. The other disturbing thing, there was a report that's come out, uh, Tamara, from the National Post linking uh, the Olivia Chow campaign to the Chinese interference groups, which is very surprising because Olivia Chow, once upon a time, took a stance, a righteous stance, I will admit, for Hong Kong democracy. But now, now that she can see the brass ring within her grasp of becoming mayor, well, you know, ethics, morals, all that sort of stuff, let's put that on the back burner. I might need the support of um, certain members of the Chinese community, i.e. the ones loyal to Beijing, to uh, give me that boost over into the mayor's seat. That is shocking that I think that she would throw uh, the people of Hong Kong under the bus for political expediency. Yeah, here in this National National Post article, the byline says uh, a Chow supporter says such needing, meetings are a necessary evil to reach Chinese immigrants, while another cautions not to jump into any conclusion. Well, a necessary evil? Oh, in, so that she can enrich herself as the mayor of Toronto? That she can get that big six-figure salary and all the perks that go with it? Um, wait, do you understand what she, what that means, a necessary evil, other than, Tamara, the obvious, which is to just win the election? Mm -hmm, to completely undermine our democracy, yeah. which is what ha the Justin Trudeau liberals have been facing intense scrutiny over for the last several weeks. And this, it's funny, this article come, came out uh, yesterday, yep. but I believe it was last week that you featured that same allegation with the other... Uh, Toronto mayoral candidate. Rob Davis. Yes. Um, yes. And, and it was uh, actually his concern was that there was an Olivia Chow charity um, right. that mm -hmm. has seen their donations exponentially rise. And uh, Rob Davis was wondering, is she going to use the proceeds, the staffers to get around donation laws that apply to corporations, big unions? as a way to cheat. Now, these are allegations, they're unproven allegations. Right. Uh, I have welcomed members of the charity on for an interview, and uh, I, I haven't uh, uh, heard back. From, but they, they did make a statement that everything's above board, but they haven't agreed to an interview. So that was a different issue. This, is, I think, is even more serious, Tamara. Mm -hmm. It kind uh, of plays into yep. being potentially the same, but yes. A hundred percent. And and this is the same candidate, of course, who said you own a house, you own a car, uh, you are Olivia Chow is your enemy. And by the way, um, she's on about affordable housing. I was shocked when she first threw her hat into the ring. This is almost a month ago. And the first thing she said, Tamara, and this is BS politics. She was saying, I don't have a very good command of the English language. I hope my enemies aren't going to use it against me. And I'm thinking, 
This is a career politician. Mm -hmm. She's been elected and reelected at the municipal, provincial, and federal level over and over again. When was the language ever an issue? You're already playing the victim card, the race card. Give me a break. And the second thing, uh, if you're stuck in traffic right now in Toronto, as I was coming up from the downtown core, as per usual, just a few hours ago, um, think of Olivia Chow's master plan for more affordable housing, i.e. knocking down the Gardner Expressway. Um, two things are wrong with that. One is if you think gridlock is bad in Toronto right now without the Gardner uh it's never going to move. Secondly, I heard an urban planner calling to talk radio and saying, even if you took away that um, uh, raised expressway in the downtown core, the footprint to put up towers, it's really not there. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. there's no there there in terms of replacing the gardener uh, with affordable housing. She's clueless, Tamara. I'm sorry. It, seems, it, it very much seems like it, especially just even that comment about uh, the food bank, which is an issue that we have been discussing for months now on the live stream and in our various reports and this this I, this unfortunate unfolding of inflation. I mean, many economists called that at the onset of the pandemic, you know, shutting down global supply chains will come with repercussions. Um, and so a lot of people saw the writing on the wall, but then to to kind of be ignorant in the sense that thinking this is a Toronto specific issue when it's not happening all across Canada oh, um, kind 100%. of speaks for itself in that regard. No. And, you know, it reminds me, I, I think if Olivia Chow does become mayor, uh, once upon a time, there was a really good Chinese food chain um, called Holy Chow. And they had a great radio campaign with their slogan. And it was what their competitors were saying about them because their food was great. Uh, their uh, prices were wonderful. Their delivery was timely. And the ads would always end with the competitors going, holy chow, we in big trouble now. And that's going to be <laughs> the citizens of Toronto. You mark my words under just four years of Olivia Chow. Anyways. <laughs> holy chow. <laughs> yeah, we in big trouble now. <laughs> well, ha having some comedic relief is always a good time. So I think let's just throw to a video here of Ben Bankus, Toronto comedian, <laughs> um, with some Olivia Chow parody. Oh, no. <laughs> Happy to announce we just got off the phone with the Chinese Embassy in Handong and I will be crowned the next Mayor of Toronto. As Mayor of Toronto, we are going to be granting asylum to any members of the Chinese Communist Party who are collaborating with the Canadian government because we are an open and free city. In addition, we are going to be expanding the boundaries of Chinatown from Mississauga to Scarborough. <laughs> One of the biggest bonuses of working directly with the Chinese Communist Party is that we have negotiated to have no Chinese police stations in the downtown core, but we will have them in Martin. We're simply following suit in a regular phenomenon that is happening in Canada where mayors are being instilled by the Chinese government. One of my heroes, Calgary Mayor Judy Gonda, is already following in the footsteps of the Chinese Communist Party by banning the protests of Drag Queen Story Hour. I want to go a step further, Jody. I want to ban the protests of anything that conservatives disagree with. Bo Ben Bank is from Mayor of Toronto. Yeah. All the other candidates are racist. <laughs> you know, uh, Tamara, gotta love it. this is the worst thing I can possibly say about the vast majority of candidates in this 102-person race. And that is this. If Ben Bankus won, and if he never even showed up a day to City Hall, 
we would be much better off than the likes of Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, and dozens and dozens of other candidates, you know. And, uh, you know, I mentioned I interviewed uh, Ben Bankus uh, yesterday. I don't know if we have a clip ready from our super producers, but one of the platforms, it's, it's amazing. He's He's stealing ideas from the left and the right. Hmm. And he was he did the interview in a rainbow colored suit Fitting. with a, a transgender handkerchief mm -hmm. in the pocket. Got so it. he's he's down with diversity, as you can see. And what I, one of his most profound things was, you know, the, the city is still somewhat in mourning after the mighty Maple Leafs once again blew it and got ousted from the playoffs. The 56 year drought continues for the Stanley Cup. And one of Ben Bankus's planks is he is going to outlaw male professional sports in Toronto. So no Leafs, no Raptors, no Argos, no TFC. They're going to be replaced with female pro teams, but male athletes. So, you know, an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner who would be out of the out of a job in the Leafs because it's a, a now a female team, the Lady Leafs they will be allowed to identify <laughs> as females and join the Lady Leaf. So in other words, um, the status quo. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the most inclusive, exactly. really. I think we should just banish gender in general. There's a Oh, look at him. Very fitting. That's so, uh, so, so great to have some comedic relief in these times. It sure is. It reminds um, me of the old days when there used to be the rhino party in federal politics, mm. and um, they've since uh, become extinct. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I was born in Toronto. I love Toronto, still love Toronto, although the love is diminishing, folks, let me tell you. And I have to say, though, it is such a cold, humorless city. Mm -hmm. And you can mm -hmm. see that, especially in the media. You know, everything is so serious. Even the morning zoo radio shows are so lame and terrible. And, you know, it's just so wonderful to have a stand-up comedian like Ben Bankus. And I got to tell you, if there was such a thing as magic and I could have a wish, it would make him win. <laughs> you know? Make a I mean, true mockery of Toronto. You know, I'll tell you something, uh, Tamara. Uh, a couple of decades ago, Jesse the Body Ventura, the ex-professional wrestler, he ran for governor as an independent in Minnesota and um, written off. And I'll never forget, it was, it was either in GQ or Vanity Fair. It was a fantastic feature. They sent a reporter to the Jesse Ventura so-called victory uh, you know, campaign office on election night. And basically, the thrust of it was... Um, nobody expected Ventura to win. It was either going to be the Republican or the Democrat. And the crowd that was there, I mean, you had professional wrestling fans, you had bikers, you had, you know, hippies. It, it was basically, as the writer said, you know, people that have lost for so long in their lives, always picking the wrong decision. And the results come in, and Jesse the Body Ventura is proclaimed governor. <laughs> And there's silence because these people have never experienced victory and they don't know how to react. It's absolute shock. So wouldn't that be wonderful that, if that happened to Ben Bankus? It would be pretty funny. <laughs> All right. We are 25 minutes in, so we're going to go to a quick ad break. And okay. then we will come back to discuss some propositions to bail reform that should be announced shortly. Yes. I am doing something today that I have never tried before. Listen up. 
I'm looking for collaborators in a new and exciting initiative. As you most likely know, YouTube a long time ago demonetized Rebel News and we are 100% viewer funded. Now, while our supporters are fantastic at helping us cover legal campaigns and special reporting missions, unfortunately, the reality is our day-to-day -day operational expenses often exceed our income stream, which is crazy if you think about it because my videos across all platforms attract hundreds of thousands of views and sometimes even millions. So I want to share that reach with the right partners. If you have a product or business and want to enter a win-win relationship with me, please go to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and fill in the form to let me know. I won't be accepting anyone. I need to believe in your business or product so I can sell it proudly for you. And for successful applicants, I will guarantee a minimum view count, meaning even if your ad is published on the less popular reports, we'll keep promoting your business or product until it gets the agreed minimum eyeball. So again, if you have a cool company or product that either wants to take advantage of my reach or want to support my work through advertising in a way that you can write it off as a tax deduction or both, head over to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and hopefully we can join forces soon. I think we have to record ads like that, don't we, Tamara? What's going to be your shtick? I think that that I think you are being called to record an ad like that. <laughs> um, so before we move on with our next topic, we yep. did have a super chat coming oh, right away from N Mark. Gives five dollars. Thank you very much, uh, Faye from the Faye and Fluffy Story Time. Faye said he had children daycare. He had a children's daycare business for a short time. <laughs> I was wondering why it was shut down. You know what? This Faye and fluffy thing. So if you haven't seen my previous report, it just came out uh, yesterday. And so it features this dynamic drag artist duo called Faye and Fluffy. And they basically tour around uh, engaging in drag queen story time at library schools. The one is a Toronto District School Board teacher. So these are before we, before I go on, these are two um, burly bearded men. I've since received word that one actually may be a biological woman. So I'll save that for my full report, Wait my, my follow-up report. This is important. Would that be like, I don't know, akin to stolen valor? Uh, you know, I mean, because you're supposed to be a dude pretending right. to be the a woman, but if you're a woman pretending to be a woman, what's the point? Yeah, it's really bizarre. It's just pure gender confusion clearly <laughs> on display in front of children. And let's just pull up like a, a quick photo just to show our viewers how grotesque this is um like there's it's Faye I get them both confused oh so this is Faye and uh, this is the Toronto District School Board teacher has been a teacher worked with kindergartners for the better part of two decades um I don't think he dresses up like that for work but regardless uh, this is kind of an ongoing story because I received a huge tip last night going into delving into some of the more nuances involved with this dynamic pair um and yes i would wonder why and if i'm not even sure that the other individual um Faye, i believe is Faye, is the one that had the daycare um oh. i don't think that it was shut down i could be wrong um i'm not really sure if that daycare business runs on but yeah these two individuals work with children they also gallivant around dressed up um as these clowns a Fluffy calls himself a clown. 
Um, they read to children and then they also teach to children. And then they also run this this show on the Disney. Well, it used to be a Disney subsidiary, but it's the family channel now, Family Junior. And uh, late in the evening, this dynamic duo will come on the screen and they have their Faye and Fluffy show. Um, so it's really unsettling, really bizarre, but they are going, I believe it uh, is in June, to the Muskoka, no, sorry, not Muskoka, the Wasaga Beach Public Library, and they are fe going to be featured there for a drag story time segment. So that was the basis of my yeah. first report, but I've since received a very lengthy tip uh, involving further details about these two characters. Wow. So please stay tuned because I will be doing a follow-up report featuring some of those tips, including uh, some of the appropriateness of the way the Faye or Fluffy, one of the bearded men uh, or, or women identifying as men, um, act with children while off-duty as a, as a registered Ontario school teacher. So. You that know, story is developing. Tamara, what I don't understand, look at the photo of, uh, I don't know if it's Faye or Fluffy. It's kind of like, I'd always be confused with Laverne and Shirley, except thank <laughs> God for that L uh, on the oh, lapel of Laverne. But what I'm saying is that, first of all, I, I really don't get this idea of men portraying themselves as a grotesque caricature of females. But if that's what you want to do, you know, and it's at the gay bar or any bar at age of majority. That's right. fine. But the idea that this is somehow age appropriate for elementary age uh, students is crazy. But this is for toddlers. Uh, Their show is geared toward toddlers. But here's the thing. Here's a man trying to pass himself off as a woman. But he's got a beard. He's got a hairy back. He's got hairy arms. What I'm getting at. Tamara, is that if that a real biological woman, I think if she had problem with body hair, facial hair, she would go out of her way to suppress it. Right. Well, it's a thyroid issue. There are women who struggle. A hundred percent. But you wouldn't exaggerate it, which is so I don't understand what the point is that he's passing himself off with the props of women, high heel shoes, a dress, what have you. And yet all the other characteristics are, you know, you know, the, the cliched accompaniments of a male, you know, hair on the face, on the arms, the underarms, et cetera. So like, I'm very confused. <laughs> you know? Oh, you I and really me both. Am. So I can imagine the level of confusion when you bring a child to this. And obviously, I guess, you know, the blonde one, that must so obviously that's a woman, that's a, from what I am hearing, and this has not been confirmed, uh, that is a woman who identifies as a man and is undergoing chemical transition to be a man, but then but dresses as a woman to dress as her nat his natural biological gender. If I do, I get I, I, yeah, very confusing. Um, you know, you know what it reminds me of. There's an episode, you know, the the Munsters, you know, from the '60s that uh, series with Sorry, that monster David. family, and uh, Herman Munster, who was a clone of the Frankenstein monster. They go to a Halloween costume party, and he dresses up as a knight in shining armor with a full face mask and everything. And there's judges walking around the party, and then Herman Munster decides he needs to have a drink of something, so he lifts the visor. And he's sipping away on some beverage. And one of the judges says to the other, he goes, wow, look at this. This guy is wearing a costume 
of a knight in shining armor. And then under that costume, he's wearing an additional costume of the Frankenstein monster, but that's his real body, you see. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's and, just a bizarro world, upside down, gender bending weirdness. It's, and these people are in charge of teaching children. That's the concerning part here is save your weird deviances and your sexuality for adult only entertainment. I have no problem with drag events. I've been to, you know, plenty, not plenty, but I've been to them <laughs> and I've been to gay bars and I have friends who, you know, are that way. And um, this just gets so strange and weird and gross when it involves children. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if this phenomenon is going to continue much longer, to well, be honest, as the parents who consensually bring their children to these events. I think more and more parents are saying like, you know, this is kind of weird. I think we can teach, you know, like tolerance, inclusivity, that that it's OK to embrace differences without this like grotesque caricature mm -hmm. of women appropriating them and having these these clown characters. I mean, I would want my children to look up to and idolize people who have merit, who um, are took, took principled stances, who are comfortable in yeah. their own skin, not trying to pretend to be someone who they're not. So Tamara, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to predict because I know you're a great mother. You would never bring your children to a drag queen story time, would you? No, and imagine if you you didn't bring your child to a drag story time and you're going to the library thinking that you're engaging in some wholesome, you know, book book reading or you're going to get a few new reads to go home and, and enjoy and then you walk in on yeah. that. Well, and this is, but what I'm getting at here, Tamara, is that a five or six year old, they're not hopping into an Uber or taking public transit and getting to a library to take in a drag queen a performance. So obviously there's parental or guardian, you know, support for this. What is in the heads of those parents? Is it like, oh, I'm going to show everyone how woke and uber mm -hmm. cool Tolerant. and down with the transgender revolution I am? Is that what's driving it? Because here's my point. If there was no market for this, right, if it was an empty space, this ends, right? Exactly. And yet exactly. there is a <laughs> there's an audience for this. Mm -hmm. What do, what do you think is in the heads of those parents? Oh gosh, yeah. They've been captured by this yeah. ideology um, and they're obviously not seeing it for what it is, which is directed to capturing the hearts and minds of these children and instilling this idea of confusion. It's really it's confusion. These people don't even know who they are and they're supposed to be in charge and responsible for teaching your child about how to embrace differences and inclusion and tolerance. Um, again, I would prefer to see somebody who's principled, who's moral, who uh, has a good sense of themselves, their identity, yeah. teaching children morals, ethics, principles. Uh, this is just really bizarre. I think there was someone in the comments on the Wasaga Pub or yeah, the Wasaga Beach Public Library's Facebook post that I featured in that report. And they're like, why aren't seniors reading to kids? Or and those poor yeah. seniors are so have been so isolated, deprived of interaction. I remember when um, the school used to to plan trips to the seniors home and you would interact and they would teach you, you know, like actual life skills, knitting, or they would do reading or songs or, and it was kind of fulfilling for both parties involved. The seniors needed and longed to have that interaction with children and that relationship and get that rapport. And then children could have wholesome interactions with adults. Uh, so I, 
I mean, obviously, we've gone quite awry as a society at this point when we've replaced that with uh, bearded men dressed up as ladies. That is a profound uh, statement, uh, Tamara. I agree. Wouldn't it be beautiful to have seniors and honor our seniors as the storytellers? Yes. And, um, you know, and our la I think my last point on this before we move on to our uh, justice minister Mm -hmm. is simply this, you know, the other day I had somebody reach out, and this is the saddest thing I think I can say about Drag Queen Story Hour down at the library. And it was, hey, uh, here's a tip for you. Uh, such and such a town is having, their library is having Drag Queen Story Hour. And I responded, I'm so sorry, but the saddest thing I can say about this issue is that you're kind of an outlier as a library if you're not having a track queen story hour. It's it's almost as, ooh, what are you, some kind of a weirdo? You don't have some 300-pound bearded male uh, dressing as Stinkerbell to read to the kids? What's wrong with you, right? You know, so it, it's amazing how accepted this has become. Yes. And um, Although well, I think more and more now are starting to say, wait a minute, this is weird. It doesn't I make sense. I hope so. Yeah, I guess uh, time will tell. The culture yeah. war continues. Uh, we have one super chat before we move on from okay. Funis. It gives $5. Thank you very much, Funis. The same police, uh, not say, I think that's uh, just a code word, wants to defund. She called to remove a journalist so she could save face, not answering about how well the police defunding policy was working. Can't make this stuff up. Is she referring oh. to not, to, or is, are they referring to not, not Lee as Nazi? Oh, you know, what? I think I get it now. The play uh, it, on words. And this is referring, I think it's to our former colleague, Kian Bexty at the council. Which we'll get into. Yes. Um, so, well, you know what? Let's should we talk about the bail reform before we get there? You know what? Yeah, because, because yeah. well, you know what? Because it was brought up in the super chat, we, we may as well kill two birds with one stone. We'll do a, a brief uh, segment on Alberta. But yeah, Kian Bexty somehow got arrested for attending a Rachel Notley presser in which she was standing quietly in the background observing okay he gets a he first of all he got frog marched out uh secondly now i think he's got his hands behind his back i don't think he was handcuffed <laughs> i think he and his playing to the camera there to make it look like he was cuffed um but more to the point folks in the one law for thee, one law for me as you know last week daniel smith had a presser um ambushed it was by disruptive protesters, typically uh, union flunkies. And um, did you hear of any criminal charges about that? Did right. A former or an NDP yeah. uh, staffer as well. They completely crashed her presser. I think we have some video. We're very right disruptive. Yeah. Um, yeah, look at this. Fully impeding on the stage in front of the camera. Uh, and, and this is and none of them were arrested. No charges, to my knowledge, were laid. Yeah. And look, and she's just calmly standing there. Thinking, Where's the cops? What is going on here? Yeah. And you know what? That's a win for Daniel Smith, you know, not lowering herself to that level mm -hmm. and uh, screaming back at them and being hysterical. Um, they look so bad on that. But that's besides the point. How in blue hell can you arrest Kim Bexty for doing nothing and at the same time turn a blind eye to people that are completely disrupting a press conference? Uh, I don't get it. Well, and this comes also as NDP leader, this is the Alberta NDP leader, leader Rachel Notley, has condemned Danielle Smith, Premier of Alberta, 
for only allowing one media question and no follow-up. And so mm. they condemned her for not upholding pre freedom of the press and how could this be and how dare she and she better revoke this policy. Um, and meanwhile, that same individual who condemned her political opponent for that policy of only allowing one question by from media now doesn't allow questions, any questions from certain media. So if you don't tow the political line, if you're seen as an opponent uh, or someone opposite on the political spectrum of Rachel Notley, then she won't allow you to ask any questions at all, not even just one, On at the same point that she's condemning Danielle Smith for only allowing one from any media. You know, Tamara, it is Hypocrisy. amazing. Whatever happened to classical liberalism? I mean, just myself and uh, Lincoln Jay, we were at, a, at the Durham District School Board yesterday, another completely leftist woke out of control school board minister of education steve lecce hello can you put down your pokemon go uh monitor and uh actually start governing but we uh we went out there and uh, guess what uh here's something new uh, no cameras allowed inside and i said excuse me we're a visual medium how do we practice journalism without recording? They go, well, you know, there is a live stream. And I said to the security guard, and I wasn't giving him a hard time, folks. He's just following orders, as they say. But what Durham District School Board does is when there is a prickly question or they don't like the tone of the audience, guess what? They end the live stream. They are complete censorious thugs. And what was up for voting yesterday was a motion. It's being kicked down the road, so we'll see where it goes that they were going to ban, ban any parents from asking anything to do with um, sexuality questions, transgenderism. So if you're concerned about pornography in the elementary school library, oh, no, no, human rights provisions, you can't ask that. If you're concerned about certain flags going up uh, 18 times a year to commemorate one community, no, can't ask those questions. It is complete and utter censorship, as Lincoln and I found out yesterday. It's about them controlling the narrative. And uh, to bring it back to Rachel Notley, it's the same deal here. When you are arresting an a reporter just for his mere presence at a press conference, uh, you know, <laughs> Well, and we Give have her head a shake. And we have this clip here where she actually refers to Bexty as a protester. This is right from her mouth. Let's let's have a look. Here. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you, everybody, for your uh, patience. Uh, as many of you here know, we had to uh, remove a protester, but I'm very pleased that we were able to uh, have folks stick around. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Oh, so. wait a minute. You mean like those bona fide protesters that stormed the Daniel Smith event, right? This is outrageous mm -hmm. hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On full display. And the masses seem to be none the wiser, which is the, the, which is how they get away with this, is that there's no scrutiny. There's no no one from the media is speaking truth to power. And those who want to, like Key and Bexty, are frog marched out of the presser and then referred to as a protester. Unbelievable. So this is, you know, just changing the definition of something to fit your narrative so that you can justify the action that you just take to squash freedom of the press. Um, and then uh, we have another video clip here from the same presser where Notley, in response to a mainstream media reporter who asks if this delay could have been handled better. Uh, well, I don't want to give it away. Let's see how she responds. 
Well, you know, it really depends. So I'm happy to uh, take and to present myself uh, to uh, everybody in the media, even those that have a very conservative background and have a very pointed perspective in terms of uh, the questions that they, they ask. Uh, there is one media outlet that, that uh, um, fits that description that I've been very clear. Uh, we will not take questions from until they retract the hate speech. Uh, that they published uh, uh, with respect to one of our caucus members. Um, the protester today does not fit that description. The protester today is a protester, has a record of acting like a protester, regardless of what the name they may call themselves, and has a clear association with white supremacist groups. And so the answer is no. No. Um, can we have an example of though that clear association with white supremacy views? Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny they never give that example, no. do they, Tamara? No. Like, and what is she talking about? You know, you'll be labeled, oh, you, you're far right, or you're this, you're that, and I say back, well, what does that mean? Can you describe that? What What do you mean? What What does being far right mean? And you know, the irony is so perverse, and it looks like only Rachel Notley is unaware of it when she calls. Uh, a, a reporter as someone having a pointed perspective, a pointed perspective from this woman mm -hmm. that, I mean, our beloved colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed, uh, wrote a book about her and her party while they were in power in Alberta. And it was adroitly entitled The Destroyers. She declared war on her own province in the name of wokeism and virtue signaling. And the last thing, well, let's leave it at that. It's less than two weeks away, uh, May 29th, mm -hmm, Tamara. Mm -hmm. That's the election day in Alberta. And um, the way it's being described to me by analysts, um, and gee, I, I hope it's more of a, uh, you know, it's not so much a photo finish as so many people are saying, but basically all the rural uh, ridings are going UCP. Edmonton is a write-off, as uh, Sheila likes to say, let's get a front-end loader and just shove it into the Saskatchewan River. Um, that's going to go NDP. And the last battleground, what's going to decide the whole province's fate is Calgary. Uh, is it going to go majority NDP or majority UCP? I'll tell you, I lived in Alberta for two years, 85, 86. Uh, that was um, in the midst of, I think it was a 70-year-long dynasty of the old progressive conservative mm. party. It was unthinkable that there'd be anyone but a right-of-center government there. What makes me just shiver with is the fact that this isn't Rachel Notley saying it's time for change because we saw your change. And it gave the name for Sheila's book, The Destroyers. We know what you're about. How could the average Albertan, even if you lean left, Tamara, how could you vote this destroyer back in again? Yeah, the writing's on the wall. Um, just how much devastation was caused by the reign of terror of the NDP in the province of Alberta the last time that they were elected for four gruesome years. Yes. So, um, I, I, you know, without sounding um, xenophobic, I think that there's been a clear drive to funnel new Canadians into certain ridings of the province to sway that political landscape in favor of more radical left-leaning politicians. There you go. You know, and we'll, we should get to the many, but let's have an ad break first. You know, that word xenophobic, do you know mm. what, Tamara? You know what I, I used to think that meant people that hated the TV series Xena, Warrior Princess, oh but then I found out the Xena. real definition. My sister broke her arm once playing Xena. <laughs> 
<laughs> Funny fact. Oh, my gosh. She would hate me. We used to have so much fun playing Xena. I'd pay a dollar to see that video, folks. <laughs> let me seven. tell you. Anyways. She was like seven. Oh, my goodness. Great memory. Solid memory there. <laughs> Let's roll the ad. We'll see you on the other side. The media said that Canadian truckers were Russian agents controlled by Vladimir Putin. Justin Trudeau called them extremists. The small fringe minority. We are here out of love for our families, our communities. And the government put the country under martial law to stop them. But what's the real story? If you can't see the future in clear outline right now, you're not paying attention. But the truckers in Canada can. And I want you to know that I'm not afraid. For the first time, the woman at the heart of the trucker convoy speaks out. Hold the line. Tamara Leach, passionate organizer, loving mother and grandmother, proud Métis and proud Albertan, and defiant political prisoner jailed for daring to criticize the government. Tamara Leach, her new book, Hold the Line, My Story from the Heart of the Freedom Convoy is the inside scoop of what really happened. You've heard from the media and the convoy's critics. Now hear the truth from the woman who inspired the world and made Justin Trudeau blink. Visit theconvoybook.com to order your copy now. All right, so we have a super chat to get to here from Aaron Burton, 32. Thank you. He gives, I hope I'm not assuming your gender, 30, uh, sorry, $5. <laughs> Happy Tamara Tuesday. That's right. Here we oh. are. Tamara Tuesday. LOL. Laugh out loud. Just wanted to say you did an amazing interview with Dr. Byram Bridal last week. His running analogy was spot on and hi to David with a happy face. Oh, there you go. Well, thank well, you very well, thank much you for your very support. Much. And what was the big takeaway from that interview for those uh, viewers so, that didn't see it? Tomorrow? Well, they should tune in and watch. It was my segment last week uh, where I was co-hosting the Ezra Levant show. And okay. so that is exclusive content for our Rebel News Plus subscribers. And I believe there is a rumble clip out with both just my monologue, but also with the interview uh, with Dr. Byron Bridal. And we were speaking a lot about the current landscape around misinformation and uh, how he has been proven really in real time to have been correct with some of his concerns around some of the things that we can't discuss here on YouTube, um, but some of those novel products that were massively pushed on the population. And he expressed his concerns back on the Alex Pearson show in May of 2021 around biodistribution and some breaking studies that he had actually um, atipped. So through access to information requests, he had atipped these studies and documents out of Japan. And so he had to go to great lengths to have them um, translated and to, to actually get his hands on the tangible science that was evolving and, and up to date at that time. And as time has continued on and we've seen the real world data being collected with some of these novel products, uh, it's showing that the concerns of Dr. Bridal, which wasn't really saying anything either way, just, hey, this is groundbreaking science at that time, you know, three, sorry, two years ago now. Um, and his concerns have all been validated ever since through other scientific ventures that have come out uh, in the last two years. And so instead of validating him and saying, you know what, we should have listened to you two long years ago and we could have prevented a lot of the damage and the fallout of some of this, this stuff that has happened. And again, I have to be careful. Um, it's unfortunate that we have to sort of oh, self-censor right. on this platform. But um, he still faces 
complete slandering, smearing of his career. He's still ousted from his institution to be able to do the lab work that he was conducting prior to the pandemonium that saw the mandates in place and things like this. So uh, we really delved into that rabbit. Then the rabbit hole of misinformation. Um, I have done a few reports the last two weeks on that being publicly funded, by the way, Canadians, your taxpayer dollars are hard at work to fund workshops through the Canadian Institutes of Health Research on misinformation, combating it, identifying it, how to dispel it um, through social media influencers. Like these aren't scientists. These aren't people who are uh, debunking the actual science. They're basically parrots for the consensus. And uh, so I'm going to be continuing kind of following the beat of misinformation and who determines what is and what is not misinformation and how science, which is always evolving, like, you know, when they said the science is settled, well, that is in itself anti-science. Science is um, is a series of questions. It's hypothesis. It's never it's never concise. It's never settled. And so, uh, yeah, follow me for more on that misinformation stuff. And you can check out th some of those clips on Rumble. I don't think they were YouTube safe. So you'll have to scroll back a little bit. But from last Tuesday. Um, no, it was a, a great, albeit infuriating interview. And by the way, you just had to like twist the knife there. Mention <laughs> that you were the guest host on the Ezra Levent show. See that folks, that used to be my do rigueur duty. I was oh, kind of always the is. backup goalie. Think of the Montreal Canadiens in the 70s. You had Ken Dryden as a starter. That would be Ezra Levent, the all-star. And I'm kind of like your Bunny LaRock backup goalie. But then here comes another backup. Watch out. Oh, my gosh. Because you know, this is, you know, and I know what's going on. Super, every time <laughs> I get a gig, super producer Efren, he, he's got to put the menzoid out to pasture for some reason. I guess I'm getting a little too old or something. But anyway. You thrive in the field, David. We got we have to get you out in the field. David in the wild. That's where David shows off his best Yeah, abilities. that's right. Mutual of Omaha, Wild Kingdom. My goodness. So right. let's get to the justice Finally, minister yes. in this unjust world. <laughs> David Lametti. Oh, my goodness. He tables legislation to reform bail system. Folks, mm. do you think that was organic by the blackface liberals? Or do you think that just maybe, just maybe all 10 premiers and all three leaders of the territories demanded that bail reform get amended? Now, Tamara, can you think of another issue in Canadian politics when you have 13 out of 13 leaders, 100% on one side, mm -hmm. I can't, no. you know, even Quebec, you know, the distinct <laughs> society, they're all in on this. The other and, country within Canada. Yeah. Right? And little wonder you have, I mean, the morale of the police force, not yes. only to have to take that transgender training and pass the module or else forever retake it, but they're arresting real bad guys, real trash. And it's like a revolving door. Uh, they get bail or sometimes there's not even bail asked for. Mm -hmm. They're back out on the streets. These are violent criminals, folks. Yeah, catch sometimes with firearms. You know how uh, blackface is going after the Saskatchewan duck hunters because that's the real source of the problem in a high crime corridor such as Jane and Finch in Toronto. And meanwhile, the worst of the worst, we turn a blind eye to it. First of all, even if you are a liberal supporter, Tamara, can you explain this to me? 
Well, it's all under this idea of having a progressive justice system. And yes. so the Justin Trudeau liberals have made changes to the criminal code. They've instituted this this progressive ju judicial system, which, you know, prioritizes feelings over actual public safety. Um, so here we have and this is in an article that we pulled up from CTV News where the justice minister um, is set to unveil bail a bail bill targeting repeat violent offenders with reverse onus reforms. And they are actually announcing that currently. So that is uh, currently taking place where Justice Minister David Lametti will table this new legislation um, targeted at the criminal code reforms. And he's doing it with Marco Mendicino. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the MP who uh, basically said that they wanted to bring in a how many they uh, he asked how many tanks they could bring in to squash the freedom convoy uh, yeah. that took to the nation's capital back in January and February. Of oh well, if P Pinocchio is down with this, uh, yeah, then you know what what could go wrong. And I see there, uh, oh, and Associate Minister of Health, Carolyn Bennett. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, that would be Dr. Bennett. That would be that doctor who, back in the 90s, folks under the Kretchen regime, even though she's a medical doctor, she voted against compensation for hep C victims. Yeah, way to go, Dr. Death. Uh, your credibility <laughs> is uh, ironclad in my book, too. What, what a crew. I mean, they are. There's no ethics. There's no morals. And you know what is uh, making my spidey sense tingle right now, Tamara Ugolini, is the fact that this is only seven pages mm -hmm. of them. So really, and by the way, I do want to read the seven pages. It won't take long, but um, I'm wondering if they're covering all the bases. That is incredibly. Uh, a short piece of legislation, seven right. pages. So I just wonder if Lametti and company are talking this up as this is a utopia to the uh, bail condition debacle that's in Canada, uh, or if this is really um, a paper tiger and for that matter, a toothless tiger. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's be ca being called Bill C-48. So I'm always nervous or, or cautiously optimistic when certain things like this are introduced, because what else is buried in this legislation that, you know, it really has nothing to do with the bail reforms, but will affect all Canadians and make kind of these broad, ambiguous changes to our criminal code and uh, the criminal justice system. So we have the 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 bill itself pulled up here on the screen. Um, I don't know if you can see you can see it, David. You said you wanted to oh, read the points. Uh, yeah, of course, because I'm Clark Kent and I, I can, you know, I'm the <laughs> mild man reporter that can read microscopic <laughs> three point type on a screen. Are you but crazy? The, um, well, the CTV article gives a, a kind of a broad overview okay. of some of the changes, but it, there is a lot here. So maybe as this, um, you know, as this story unfolds and we hear more about what is actually being proposed, how they're going to achieve these things. I mean, this comes at a time when these repeat offenders are now causing, you know, there there are innocent victims in their midst. I mean, just most recently, a story that really resonated me was um, a stabbing in Calgary where a mother was picking up her two children from school and she and her 11 year old were both, you know, stabbed and succumbed to their injuries. And the, the eight year old was able to run and flee the scene, but saw it all. Mm -hmm. And this was like out front of a, a school and um this was a repeat offender known to be kind of off the charts, known to have a criminal history, um, I think was even out on bail. 
And he, lo and behold, moves ahead and actually moves forward with such a gro- a, 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 a heinous crime yeah. at no one, such innocent victims that are just these random attacks seem to be occurring more frequently. And again, because there is no repercussions yeah. for those actions. It's grotesque. And I got to tell you, Tamara, I'm getting a sense of deja, deja vu. And what I mean by that is remember the shite storm of criticism about the Young Offenders Act, people a day short of their 18th birthday, getting away with less than two years at a uh, juvenile delinquency uh, place uh, for first degree murder, you know, and that was replaced, remember, with the Criminal Youth Justice Act. And oh, hooray, there's going to be a new sheriff in town. Well, as the who once saying, uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It was probably just as bad or even worse. And, you know, it's not about me being a hard ass when it comes to kids when we're younger and dumber, as the saying goes. But you know what, Tamara? I think there's a difference between giving a kid a break who is a shoplifter at a department store or went on a joyride with a stolen car and and nobody got hurt or anything like that compared to first degree murder. I think if you're 17, I think if you're even seven, you realize not to pick pick up a cinder block and uh, drop it on your baby brother's head and kill him. Uh, This is the fatal flaw Mm -hmm. of these uh, acts for the youth. It doesn't differentiate the very worst heinous crimes as opposed to, well, what the Americans would call misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. And um, just like this bail reform, uh, the devil is always in in the details. So I want to actually see the legislation word for word. You know, yeah, I'm. And I'm sorry if I'm a little skeptical of CTV. <laughs> right. I mean, like, healthy skepticism, <laughs> as we all should I wonder be. why that would be. <laughs> well, and it, it seems, you know, on the surface to be a fairly balanced article, because I, I just want to go back before we wrap things up quickly to that CTV re- uh, report where it says what led up to this bail bill. And it says calls for reforms ramped up in the fall following the news that one of the suspects in a deadly September 2022 stabbing spree in Saskatchewan had been wanted for months for allegedly breaching release conditions. In October, former B.C. Attorney General Murray Rankin pointed to reforms in Bill C-75, a federal bill passed in 2019 that was designed in part to modernize and streamline bail procedures, saying that the liberal law changes were inadvertently causing more repeat offenders to end up on the streets. Unbelievable. There you have it. Well, and you know what? Even if there are good, tangible changes here, I go back to my original point, Tamara. It was 10 premiers and three territorial leaders demanding it. It was 13 out of 13 saying, do something. This is not an organic uh, come to Jesus moment for the blackface liberals. And, you know, and and really, because when you look at the lower levels of government they're the ones dealing with the the crime a lot of the these... police directly and, exactly. the pe- and not only that but the people these innocent victims in all of these stories are who it ends up affecting permanently lifelong damaging effects of these liberal led progressive policies and how long is it going to take us to say these policies are not working time and time again now we're starting to see the culmination the fallout of these liberal policies whether it be our school system our judicial system these these lgbtq radicals infiltrating every sector 
respect of our society? When are we finally going to say none of this is working the way that it's intended to? It sounds flowery and good on the surface, but as we see the repercussions of it now, years later, what's it going to take to say yeah. finally, once and for all, this isn't working? And one more point, uh, Tamara, it goes back to one of our points that we discussed earlier. It's the hypocrisy. As much as blackface hates guns and wants to grab them all from law-abiding Canadian gun owners and hunters mm -hmm. and sport shooters, um, when blackface goes to a public event, uh, do you think he's going uh, driving up in daddy's vintage uh, Mercedes? No, uh, he's in a motorcade with heavily armed RCMP bodyguards that, who sometimes self-identify as henchmen and thugs when it comes to certain members of the uh, Fifth Estate. But I digress. And even, you know, if you ever, you know, Bill Blair, ex-Toronto police chief, who knows, by the way, the gun grab will have 0.0, .0 effect on violent crime in Canada. Folks, if you ever see Bill Blair, if you really want to bust his balls, ask him this. Why do you represent a riding that you don't live in? He represents a riding of Toronto in Scarborough that has its issues with violent crime. Oh, but it's not going to affect Bill Blair because he's living in Forest Hill, perhaps uh, one of the top three neighborhoods in Toronto, he, that really grinds his gears. So just in case you run into the ex-chief, remind him that. Why don't you live in your crime-infested writing as opposed to uh, one of the top three neighborhoods in Toronto, you coward. Anyways. Well, with that, we're seven minutes over, oh, David. how do you like that? Time flies. <laughs> the clock says 8.20. What's with these trained broadcast professionals? Oh, I, man. I, don't I thought we were doing a reset. <laughs> I know. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in, especially those who made a fan financial contribution. It's how we keep these very bright lights on. And they are thank quite you. bright. They are. And uh, <laughs> thank you to our super producers, Olivia and Efron, behind the board. And, of course, to my lovely co-host. Can I call you lovely? Oh, of course. Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to worry about one of those HR complaints again. <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> I will be back here tomorrow with another Rebel News personality. Please tune in at 1 o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane.